You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. We gotta live on science Welcome to Unbiased Science, where we bring scientific method to the madness. We're your hosts, Dr. Jessica Steyer. And Dr. Andrea Love. And today, we are tackling a topic that we get messages about, I don't even, hundreds a week, I'd say. It is such a hot topic. We're buckling up for some serious um, backlash, to be honest. (laughs) The question is, does chiropractic actually work. Andrea, before we dig in today, do you want to give a recap of last week's episode? Yeah. So last week we brought on Food Science Babe to talk with us about whether artificial sweeteners are harmful. And if you haven't tuned in, <laughs> spoiler alert, um, there are no no strong body of data to suggest that artificial sweeteners in the quantities that humans would consume them in cause cancer, cause diabetes, are linked to medical issues, change your microbiome, or generally unsafe for consumption. Um, we dug into some of the common myths and misconceptions, including those claims I just mentioned, as well as the very popular myth in Europe in particular that artificial sweeteners cause infertility. And we hope that we gave you all a a bit of a primer to be better consumers of information online. All right. Well, let's let's dig into this week's topic. So, Andrea, have you ever seen a chiropractor? I haven't. Um, You know, it's really interesting. So I grew up doing judo and also running. And people in sports and athletics are always kind of searching for, like, a quick fix when they're injured and things like that. There was a chiropractor at one of my old judo clubs, and um, I remember, you know, anybody that had a various injury or ailment, he was always recommending they come in. Um, I generally would go to a physical therapist, um, and maybe we can chat a little bit about that later on in the episode, but it's been recommended to me countless times, and I've always been very wary because of, as our listeners will learn, um, the lack of science behind many of their practices, so... No, but it's very popular in my circles. Um, I try and bite my tongue when it gets recommended, but yeah, that's my little spiel. So <laughs> that's interesting. So I I have never either, but you know, I'm on all those mom groups, as I've mentioned in the past on social media, Facebook in particular. And uh, back when my daughter was just about a year old, she was having recurrent ear infections. um, And I was looking for a pediatric ENT local to our area. So I put put some feelers out to see if um, folks had any recommendations. And I was inundated with comments about how I should avoid ENTs at all cost and instead I should take my one-year-old to see a chiropractor because um, chiropractic can cure ear infections. And then Mm. there there were these a slew of other comments about how it also boosts the immune system. I'm I'm sure you're... (laughs) 
not happy with that, Andrea. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But um, that's that's my little anecdote. So so let let's talk about it. So we we get a ton of questions, especially during COVID, about the legitimacy of chiropractors sharing information. So Andrew, do you want to give us a little bit of a background <laughs> on the industry and its history? Yeah, sure. So. First of all, this is in fact an industry. You know, we get a lot of people who are like, who always say, follow the money, you know, this, that, and the other. Chiropractic is estimated to be a 15 billion, that's with a B, dollar industry, um, and estimated about 35 million Americans, which include adults and children, are treated by chiropractors annually. Chiropractic has a very suspect history, and I would wager a guess that very few people that actually go to chiropractors know about this. But chiropractic, or the field of chiropractic, was founded by a guy named Daniel David Palmer. He goes by D.D. Palmer um, in the 1890s. And he literally claimed that he was shown chiropractic from the other world by a ghost of a deceased physician. It's important to note that D.D. Palmer also subscribed to many other pseudoscience ideals, including the concept of healing through magnetism. So D.D. Palmer founded chiropractic. There's an, an anecdote about how he supposedly cured a janitor of his deafness by adjusting his vertebrae, and that's really where it was born from. Now, chiropractic, as it stands, claims that mechanical, namely musculoskeletal disorders, affect the body's general health. And chiropractors are often proponents of alignment to cure a variety of ailments, not limited solely to musculoskeletal disorders, but also things like infectious diseases, such as ear infections, irritable bowel syndrome. Many claim to cure cancer and other chronic diseases. Um, They use the term subluxation to... Well, in chiropractic lingo, meaning a slight misalignment of the vertebrae, which they claim in chiropractic theory is the cause of many of these unrelated health problems. However, in medical terms, subluxation is a partial dislocation of a joint. So ultimately what they do is they do this manual manipulation, as they call it. Um, and this can be can range from stretching and things that actually are more aligned with physical therapy um, maneuvers to specific joint manipulations, typically that are delivered by hand and involve cracking or popping a joint using quick and and rapid motions. Um, They claim that the the purpose is to improve mobility, improve function, relieve pain. These are commonly done on the spine, um, very often on the cervical vertebrae and the the lumbar vertebrae, but they also often include other other body parts. So so let's talk for a second about how one becomes uh, a chiropractor. So to practice in the U.S., chiropractors must earn a Doctor of Chiropractic, D.C. degree, pass the National Board of Chiropractic Examiners exam, and have a state license. 
And then many states also require chiropractors to pass an exam about state-specific laws, and all states require practicing chiropractors to take uh, continuing education classes. Oh, I have a point so, about that later, but... Ooh, okay, <laughs> okay. Just hold, hold that thought. I only have just two, two more things to say. Um, so to enroll in a DC program, again, DC, Doctor of Chiropractic, to enroll in a DC program in the U.S., uh, which typically takes four years to complete, students must have had at least three years of undergrad education. This is not the same scope as medical or scientist training. And Andrea, I'm quite sure you, <laughs> I know you have a lot to say about that as well. Um, just the final thing I wanted to say is that the scope of chiropractor's practice, so, you know, the types of services that they're allowed to provide, that actually varies from state to state. And then um, what also varies is that health insurance plans may cover chiropractic, um, but in some places it's partial rather than complete. It's very, very, very important to note that chiropractors cannot prescribe medicine and they also cannot do surgery. There are some very rare exceptions such as in um, New Mexico. And regulation of chiropractic practices is a really substantial issue and, again, varies from state to state. But, Andrea, I'm dying to hear what you wanted to jump in with. Oh, well, I was was going to talk about something related to their continuing ed, but I'll get to that later when we we talk a little bit about some of the other – the fringe fringe stuff. But, yeah, as Jeff mentioned, you know, they – Call, legally are allowed to call themselves doctor in the state of California initially. And this actually dates back to 1922 when the Chiropractic Initiative Act was passed. And the reason that this was passed was actually because chiropractors back then were practicing medicine with without a license because they're not medical doctors. They are not physicians. Um, and they were getting arrested and, and put in jail um, because they were in direct conflict with with the medical community. Um, it's really it's really interesting to me that even 100 years ago, chiropractors were conflicting with, at least back then, the, the modern medicine. Um, and, and it's important to understand that really not much has changed. Now, when the Chiropractic Initiative Act was passed in 1922, this phenomenon of, you know, chiropractors calling themselves doctors expanded across the industry. And because it's state to state, Um, Most states have adopted this. So this ability to append their their title with doctor really gave chiropractors an air of credibility. And this really goes back to this appeal to false authority that we've talked about in the past. But they are legally not allowed to call themselves physicians. And that's also really important to, to remember. And that is such an important um, issue because you know that the general public, you know, there's a certain um, respect and credibility that comes with someone being addressed as doctor, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have a doctorate in public health. I'm a doctor of public health, but I am very careful (laughs) to make very clear to people that I am not a physician and I refuse to be called doctor in any sort of a clinical medical scenario because, you know, of course that 
indicates that I am a, a, a medical doctor, which I am not. I, so I will be called Dr. Steyer, of course, in academic or public health situations. Um, but I am very, very careful to make that distinction. So I, I just I think that 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 is such an important um, topic to raise. So important. And, and same with me. I have a Ph.D., so a doctorate in philosophy and microbiology and immunology, not a Ph.D. in literature, not a not a M.D., you know, and I think people forget that there are different types of doctoral degrees. I mean, technically, a lawyer is a juris doctorate, a, a doctor of the law. But but again, you know, it's important to make those distinctions. And I think when right. you get into these more clinical fields like your chiropractors and something I want to talk about in the future, naturopaths and and others, mm-hmm. you know, they they in a way abuse that that doctor term to give themselves more clinical credibility. So before we get accused of bias, because it, you know, it's <laughs> obvious, Andrea, that, that you and I, you know, we've not seen chiropractors. We obviously were humans, so we, we have our own um, ideas and opinions on this. We did do a deep dive into the literature, um, the available evidence on this topic. Yep. Um, we, we critically appraised evidence on, on both sides of this issue, and that's what we're going to present to you now. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to kick off? I, I, Andrea, I know sure. I took some notes here. You want to yeah. okay, go okay. for it. So if we want to talk about a narrow scope of what chiropractors actually do, you know, I would say most people would agree that chiropractors perform spinal and joint manipulation with the end goal to relieve pain and, and help alleviate various ailments. And as I mentioned, they use this term subluxation. But ultimately what they're doing is they're cracking your joints and things like that. So... Let's talk about kind of that more narrow scope of of spinal alignment. Um, And so does this really work? So if you go to a chiropractor, you have, say you have back pain, and most commonly I think it's 70% of Americans report having low back pain to some degree. So it's obviously people are seeking non-opioid treatments for this. Um, So if you go to a chiropractor and you say, okay, I have back pain, you know, does that manipulation actually work? So A 2013 Cochrane review assessed 20 randomized controlled trials. Only six of those had a low risk of bias. And if you remember our podcast episode on how study design is conducted, um, a lot of these are these, these sources of bias in these sorts of chiropractic manipulations are because people are self-reporting. So primary outcomes of this review that we're looking at, um, improvement in pain levels, improvement in functional status of the person, perceived recovery, so again, perceived as a potential source of bias, and secondary outcomes were things like return to work and improved quality of life. So in this 2013 review by Cochrane, they found that for outcomes of pain and functional status, there was low to very low quality quality of evidence that suggested there's no difference in effect for spinal manipulation when you compare it with inert interventions, sham spinal manipulation, or or as an adjunct therapy. So in combination with something like a physical therapy-based program. There was varying quality of evidence um, from low to moderate that suggested there was no difference in effect for chiropractic manipulation when you compared with other interventions such as physical therapy, um, you know, epidural injections, things like that. Um, The data were particularly sparse for things like 
time to recovery, return to work, and, and quality of life. And they did note that cost of care um, was not evaluated in many of these. And as just mentioned earlier, some states do cover this with insurance, some are not covered with insurance. So, you know, cost of care could be a substantial barrier for people. So then there was another study that, well, there was an article published in JAMA a few years later in 2017, and they sought to answer the question, is the use of spinal manipulative therapy uh, in the management of acute low back pain occurring for um, six or fewer weeks associated with improvements in pain or function? So what they did was they conducted a systematic review and meta-analysis of 26 randomized clinical trials and found that spinal manipulative therapy was associated with statistically significant benefits in both pain and function of an average modest magnitude at up to six weeks. The authors did note that there were some adverse events, um, such as increased pain, muscle stiffness and headache uh, that were reported in more than half of the patients in the large case series. So the takeaway from this particular, uh, what was this, a meta-analysis, excuse me, was that among patients with acute low back pain, again, specifically low back pain, spinal manipulative therapy was associated with modest improvements in pain and function. Um, But again, there were some transient uh, minor musculoskeletal harms. So then there was another study uh, published in, this was also in 2013, published in Spine Magazine that sought to assess changes in pain levels and physical functioning in response to standard medical care versus standard medical care plus chiropractic manipulative therapy, again, for treatment specifically of lower back pain. And this was conducted among 18 to 35-year-old active duty military personnel. And the TLDR, I love saying that, too long, didn't read. So the takeaway of this, um, this was a small RCT, but they did find that there was a modest improvement um, when they combined standard medical care plus the chiropractic manipulative therapy in terms of decreasing pain and improving physical functioning. So the combination of care did show a modest improvement. Now, Um, I'm going to jump in with one more (laughs) systematic review. And so this is a systematic review of other controlled clinical studies. And and very similar to what we've kind of summarized here, there, there may be a little bit of data that spinal manipulative therapy might be beneficial, uh, at least transiently, specifically for low back pain, but there's no evidence that chiropractic manipulation is effective for any other treatments. Um, But there was, you know, a very interesting quote because they note here that the concepts and the foundation of chiropractic and the spinal manipulation are actually not based on science, right? Um, The entire history of chiropractic was literally from a ghost story and and there there are not robust bodies of data to suggest that this type of spinal manipulation is effective for long-term treatment of medical conditions um and it's funny to me because you know i get it right like when like i have scoliosis and because of that i often get um occipital nerve pain on the back of my head and if i crack my neck when i wake up in the morning just by like turning it to one side 
it feels good for a second, you know? So I understand like the appeal when you pop a joint, it kind of relieves some of the pressure in there. But again, there are no data to suggest that, um, you know, it, it's going to cure anything long term. Um, so I think my TLDR is there are no robust body of evidence that suggests that chiropractic manipulative treatment is effective for treatment of any medical condition except possibly some moderate data for certain kinds of low back pain. Those are similar things that you might see by going to a physical therapist. And I think it's important to remember that chiropractics, chiropractors and physical therapists, while in certain modern chiropractic practices, there might be some overlap. Their training are, is not the same. The limitations, of course, the research carried out into the effectiveness of chiropractic is typically a very poor quality and subject to bias. Um, a lot of these studies are, you know, performed by chiropractors. They're based on self-reporting of symptoms from patients. There are, you know, a lack of randomized controlled trials for safety. And of course, there is a benefit of the placebo effect. So, you know, again, think of yourself when you pop your knuckle, it, it feels good for a second, right? So I think, um, you know, better randomized controlled trials need to be designed in order to really effectively determine um, if there is, in fact, a benefit. I, I think you're making a really important point because I guarantee you there are people listening right now or maybe they stopped listening once they started <laughs> hearing what you were saying, but who said, well, you know, I've seen a chiropractor and it made me feel better. How can you tell me it doesn't work? It made me feel better. I was talking about this with my hubby, Ethan, who's an ER doc, and he was saying that, you know, you have to think about it. Most of the back issues that people have, they're, they're chronic issues, you know, obviously aside from things like acute accidents, car accidents, bike accidents whatever it is. And so this, as you just said, you know, in the moment, there's going to be certainly a temporary relief, right? If, if someone's doing this manipulation of, of your of your back or whatever it is, right? It's, it's going to feel good in the moment, but we're not dealing with the bigger picture. Um, there are other things associated with the pain. I don't know what the heck he was talking about, tendons and muscles and all these <laughs> other <laughs> physiological things that that are not being addressed, right? right? But by the, by the chiropractor. Exactly. So that's what we're trying to, to get to get across here. Um, but Andrea, I think we should talk about adverse yeah. events yeah. because – that's important. Um, so do you want to kick things off talking about some studies yes. that have assessed the safety? Yes. Okay. So, you know, one of the most striking things here is that chiropractic, because it was developed so long ago by our friend D.D. Palmer and his ghost, there are very few RCTs that actually assess the safety of chiropractic. So we've talked a little bit about efficacy. You know, again, we're going to talk about some of the other claims that some chiropractors make. And, and yes, not all chiropractors. But, you know, it, it's almost as if it was just it's been accepted as this kind of fringe alternative medicine. And there there are I mean, I could find maybe one RCT that was looking at safety of chiropractic. And this is kind of concerning because as we're going to get into, um, chiropractors make up a population of people that some can promote anti-science beliefs. And, you know, many chiropractors often, you know, are criticizing the robustness of randomized controlled trials of vaccines or other medical interventions, but yet they promote a practice that 
there are no randomized controlled trials of the safety of. So, you know, there are potential adverse outcomes if you're getting your spine and your central nervous system manually adjusted by a person. You know, one study in spine found that up to 30% of recipients of chiropractic after their adjustments experience adverse events. Another study, um, a similar meta-analysis, found that this could actually be up to 60%. And these could be um, adverse events such as increased pain, radiation of pain, so potential nerve impingement, headaches, vertigo, and even loss of consciousness. There have also been rare instances of of death after chiropractic adjustment, including in children because cervical vertebrae or the spinal cord has been severed. There there were a variety of other sorts of adverse events, but one case control study in stroke actually found that amongst individuals younger than 45, the occurrence of stroke was five times higher among individuals who visited a chiropractor within a week of their stroke compared to individuals who had not been to a chiropractor. In addition, those individuals were five times more likely to have made more than three visits for cervical treatment in the preceding months. So cervical vertebrae are those neck vertebrae. So basically, this case control study found that the risk of stroke was five times higher for those who were going to a chiropractor and five times more likely amongst those going to a chiropractor who were specifically getting treatment or manipulation on their cervical vertebrae. Okay, I can't believe what you're saying. And I also can't believe, um, you know, the, the you, you made a quick reference to it. I know we're going to dive into this in, in just a little bit, but children mm-hmm. and that um, chiropractic is is. Uh, recommended for infants, newborns. I, I yeah. can't honestly. I, I, my blood yeah. is boiling. And did you? Um, I know that you you mentioned when we were speaking um, prior to recording that one insect. I mean, again, it's an anecdote. But was it a child? Yeah, I mean, child there or an- there have been. I mean, it's you know, it's relatively rare, but there have been instances where adults and children have died after chiropractic adjustment due to various spine spinal cord severing or fracturing of of vertebrae and things like that. So, you know, I think it's it's not as simple as I'm just going to get my back cracked. You know, I think there there are some real, while relatively rare, serious adverse events to consider. And I think that underlies the fact that there are no randomized controlled trials that assess the true safety of chiropractic. And there's very little regulation or standardization of the training itself, as well as the scope of what chiropractors are able to practice. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. You know what really makes me crazy about this? And we're going to talk about this in, in just a few minutes, but... A lot of the people who trust uh, the, the chiropractors and get chiropractic treatment, 
they are the ones who are complaining that there's not enough evidence or research behind vaccines. I know. And what you're saying right now is that there are really no robust studies on the safety of chiropractic. And yet these people will go get that treatment. And there have been documented cases of severe injury and death. Yet they're so opposed to, to vaccines. and. Which which other. have a huge amount of regulation and safety and efficacy efficacy testing. Yeah. Right. All right. So let's let's just talk about some other chiropractic claims because I think we're making clear we, we have acknowledged that there's some evidence that chiropractic you know that may lead to some modest improvements in, in lower back pain. Let's talk about some other chiropractic mm-hmm. claims. Do, did you want to kick things off? Do you want me to, to dive in here? I'm yeah. happy to, whatever. Um, yeah, if you want to start it off, then I'll sure. jump in. <laughs> okay, I mean, there's a, there's a lot here. So yeah. um, I guess, well, okay, I'll just tell you, I visited one very popular chiropractic page, um, and they, right at the top of their page, they boasted that the chiropractic treatment is going to lead to sleeping better, um, overall wellness, feeling less stress, increased mobility, feelings of well-being, happiness, an increase in strength, stronger immune system. They say that you're going to see an increase, uh, excuse me, a decrease in aches and pains, but also bad posture. It'll alleviate depression, anxiety, will eliminate the need for prescription drug use, um, and will also reduce injuries. So we're talking about a whole lot here. <laughs> and yeah. then when I get into some of the claims that I saw that are specific to children, I mean, there are so many others. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's important, you know, there are chiropractors who try and keep their scope narrow and they say they're doing this to alleviate back pain or whatever. And again, the data is not super convincing, but there's a little bit of data that it may help with low back pain. Um, but but there are others who cast this wide net. And in modern chiropractic, many claim to address those types of ailments, as well as things like diabetes, neuropathies, chronic conditions like cancer, irritable bowel syndrome, insomnia. I've even seen some claiming to cure infectious diseases, you know, constipation, menstrual cramps. Um, there was actually a cross-sectional study this was done in France that was that was assessing how many chiropractors licensed chiropractors advertised treating non-musculoskeletal conditions 79% of them advertised that they would treat non-musculoskeletal conditions so that's any of these other things that are clearly outside of the scope um and a lot of this comes down to the fact that again Chiropractic was founded on this very non-scientific belief that everything in the body is connected by your spine and by adjusting the spine, you're going to cure all of these completely unrelated ailments. Okay, I'm I'm actually seething right now because I opened up this website. No, I seriously, I can't, I'm seeing red. Um, it's we'll link to it, uh, of course, on our show notes. It's uh, wellhealthcenters.com, and the title of the article is Seven Reasons Why Chiropractic Care Benefits Infants." No. Okay, no. I, okay, so here's the the headline: is when it comes to infant care and treatment, chiropractors have been known to successfully treat. Latch okay, trouble in latching or breastfeeding, treating an underdeveloped digestive system, acid reflux, misaligned spine, colic, ear pain, and infection. 
So, I mean, there's a whole list here. <laughs> I mean, they, they go into a whole, whole lot of detail. But I, I guess I didn't realize that some some people actually invite chiropractors into the delivery room mm-hmm. and have them perform yep. these yep. procedures on newborn newborn if you've ever held a newborn they're they're these little floppy blobs i mean yeah yep. the, the idea of anyone doing any kind of manipulation to their bodies is is it's, honestly it's like it's terrifying it's terrifying it's it's absolutely yeah. terrifying and and to be honest like you know on facebook and you know of course we have these targeted ads right everybody all the algorithms um you know based on my geotags i've seen pop-up ads for chiropractics specifically targeting infants you know we specialize in pediatric adjustments and spinal manipulation and there are videos and pictures and it's 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 horrifying. So I wanted to look to see, is there any evidence? You know, I, I'm trying to be unbiased here. You know, I, I want to look at look at the evidence that was presented. I came across an article in, in JAMA that I'll share, and it focused specifically on this claim that chiropractic can, um, can cure colic. So, um, you know, colic is a self-limiting condition. If you've had a baby that has had colic, you know, it causes a lot of distress for parents, a lot of sleepless nights. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of parents, basically they get desperate and many do seek the help of, of a chiropractor to treat their infant. So there was a study on the treatment of colic by using chiropractic and the authors conducted a, a randomized controlled trial that compared drug therapy. I'm probably going to mispronounce <laughs> this, but, um, dicyclamine hyd- hydrochloride, I guess. Yeah. Is the, okay, there you go. And they compared it with spinal manipulation and the study touted that, you know, the, the authors claimed that they found an improvement with manipulation. Unfortunately, the two study groups were not able to be compared. Treatment was not blind. The chiropractor-treated group had many more interactions between chiropractors and the parents and the baby during the treatment sessions. So basically, my, my point in this is that there was a ton of bias. This was not a good comparison. And the findings of the study are just simply not valid. Um, And then there was another, uh, basically a follow-up study that was conducted by uh, a group of pediatricians as well as chiropractors. Um, It was a study of 86 infants. It was a randomized, blinded, and placebo-controlled trial, so a much more rigorous study than the one I just referenced. Um, And they were looking at colic treated by spinal manipulation uh, versus standard treatment and versus placebo, and they found that chiropractic manipulation was absolutely no more effective than placebo. Um, and as we as we've said, Andrea, you know, it's it, not only in many cases is it just no more effective than placebo; it could actually come with adverse uh, events, yes. and there are dangers associated with these things. Yep. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention was that just because it relates to my, to my daughter and how everyone was uh, not everyone, but many people were telling me, "Oh, you have to see a chiropractor." So I went to this uh, chiropractic website, and this is what they said. They said that um, an, a common issue among infants is ear infection due to fluid buildup in the eustachian tubes. When the tube fails to drain, it leads to excessive pressure in the ear, causing infection and pain to the infant. Chiropractic care is helpful 
helpful here because research suggests that ear infection in infants can re- can be a result of minor injury of nerves during birth or due to later allergies. Mm, my head is exploding right now. Your head is exploding. I will tell you that is just not reality. <laughs> um, my daughter, we did need to have surgery. She did need to have tubes put in. Um, her ear, the tubes allowed her ears to drain. This prevented her infections. This was an, a fantastic, very low risk um, <laughs> way to to improve her, her medical condition. And it just pains me that there are people who are refusing that, even though that's been the determined, you know, determined to be the, the safe and evidence-based treatment, at least for these, you know, very severe recurrent ear infections and and that people are touting this chiropractic care for ear infections which has no evidence behind it can i say two things first please i'd love to see what research they're they're referencing there and two as a microbiologist ear infections are not the result of minor injury of nerves during birth infections are due to pathogens those are microorganisms that cause disease and Getting a mm-hmm. neck adjustment is not going to eradicate an infection. Well, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> um, we, we've put we've put that to bed, I think. So, all right. If people are picking up some frustration in our voices, Andrew, it's probably because, you know, there it, we can't ignore um, that there really has been an impact of chiropractors on the anti-vaccine movement. And obviously, mm-hmm. Andrew, you and I have been very vocal about all the evidence in support of vaccines, especially amidst a global pandemic. But we have to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Jess, I, I want to mention that this is not unique to the current pandemic. Um, chiropractors have been kind of a contingency of folks opposed to vaccinations and other medical interventions really since its inception. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that chiropractic has really always been at odds with science and medicine since since the industry started. Mm-hmm. Very good point. And and chiropractic, I guess I didn't realize this. In my mind, it, it, it falls under alternative medicine. I guess some people argue that it that it doesn't. But, you know, we know many fields of alternative medicine are home to anti-vaccination sentiment. And you're right. This has, has been around long before COVID. Yeah. Um, but chiropractic is, is one of the more popular of these alternative medical fields, right? We know more than 35 million Americans visit a chiropractor each year. And even though, as as we've said, chiropractors, you know, they're, they're not medical doctors. They are not required to receive specialized training in infectious disease. Um, or immunology. You know, many... Or immunology, <laughs> many patients do turn to them for medical advice. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it seems like... Sorry, I was just going to say, you know, we've seen it. We've seen it on our page, you know, uh, on our Instagram page in particular. We have lots of folks coming on as Dr. Such and Such. And when you go and and they're and they're trolling our posts and you go to their profile and and they're a chiropractor, um, you know, but they're using that again, that that title of doctor to act as though they are, in fact, an infectious disease expert. Absolutely. And I Also, you know, this is not just our, these are not just our anecdotes, right? We're not just talking about people on our page. There's actual research that has found.
found that people who are attracted to alternative therapies like chiropractic, they're actually more likely to be susceptible to misinformation. If you're open to alternative medicine, the data show that you are also more likely to be attracted to anti-vaccination rhetoric and the ideas cluster. Yeah. So did, were you familiar with this? I, I wasn't. I just, I came yes. across this when yes. I was preparing for this VaxCon so this, 2021. This was actually what I was going to say. So when you talked about in the okay. top with the, um, with the continuing ed, um, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you talk about VaxCon, but, but a, a body of chiropractors were actually offered continuing education credits to attend this this um this gathering which Jess is going to get into no 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 okay well I came across this there was this great AP news article that discussed VaxCon 2021 we'll link to the article um it was a convention that was organized by a group of chiropractors it was an event that people were invited to to learn the quote-unquote uncensored truth about COVID-19 vaccines So the event was held at Wisconsin Dells Resort, and it was a sold-out event. And at this event, people were spreading misinformation and conspiracy theories. It was all about the vaccines and the the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And in fact, the featured speaker speaker at this event was the um, the anti-vaccine activist who appeared in... Was that Judy Mitkovitz? I I think that's who they're I think yeah. that's who they're talking about. They're they're talking about the 2020 movie Plandemic, yeah. and that was her whole shtick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the whole thing was pushing this false you know false COVID nineteen narratives and into the mainstream. And so there were all these different sessions, and session after session basically discussed bogus claims about health dangers associated with mask wearing as well as uh, vaccines. And so in this article, I, I just I thought it was a really great article by AP News, and, and they were just highlighting that public health advocates are really alarmed by the number of chiropractors who have hitched themselves to this movement, to the anti-vaccine and pseudoscience movement, yeah. and they've used their public prominence and the fact that they have these patients who, who trust them and turn to them, um, and, and, and that they're really undermining our response to the to the pandemic well and I think you know and I think I think this you know the fact that many of these chiropractors actually received continuing education credits for these sorts of you know misinformation conferences is really alarming um but but again I think it really goes back to the fact that this entire industry is really not founded on science and medicine and vaccinations kind of threaten that to them right so there is this body of chiropractors again not all chiropractors but you know where they feel threatened by modern science and modern medicine and so kind of sticking in this pseudoscience wheelhouse you know allows them to kind of maintain this this air of separation you know chiropractic is different it's better it offers this and you know medicine doesn't offer this very beautifully said um and 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 you you did just say something that we we should um underscore that of course we're we're not talking about all chiropractors but we will say there there has been a very vocal um minority right so there are 70,000 chiropractors in 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 the U.S. no not all of them are anti-vax um but there again there is a very vocal minority who are who use their platforms to advocate against vaccines um that being said I did want to 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 um to call out that there 
are chiropractors who've called on their peers to encourage vaccination, as of course recommended by the CDC and other medical authorities. Um, so pre-COVID, there was a 2013 paper, because Andrea, as you said, this has been this, you know, this anti-vax sentiment has obviously preceded COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this paper in the Journal of the Canadian Chiropractic Association, and four chiropractors authored um they basically they recommended vaccines as clinically indicated and they urged the chiropractic profession to advocate for vaccines they said it would promote the public good and by doing so um, the profession would be in a better position to be embraced by the broader health community basically saying that by you know, by being anti-vax and by spreading that rhetoric, they're they're alienating themselves from the broader healthcare, clinical, medical community, right? Yeah. So yeah. So the, obviously, there's there's disagreement within the within the profession, but it is very unfortunate how many people have have clung to to these claims. Yeah. And and I think it's it's worth noting that obviously, you know, we're talking specifically about anti-vaccine rhetoric, but as we mentioned, there are many chiropractors that also promote the fact that they can cure all these other ailments. And again, you know, that's something that might want to, you know, you might want to raise a red flag if you're considering going to a chiropractor at any point. All right. Should we do just super quick TLDR then? Yeah. Is that some, oh, do you want to do, oh, go no, for no, it. No, no, you can Take go for it. Take us home. <laughs> right, you want me to? Okay. <laughs> Oh my God, no you, no me, no you. Okay, no, no you, you do it. (laughs) All right, so the super quick TLDR, chiropractic has been around since the late 1800s. It was founded by a gentleman who said he, a ghost came to him while he was sleeping. It has been developed on very little science. Uh, However, there is a little bit of data that suggests that chiropractic manipulation, particularly of the low back, may help alleviate low back pain. However, there are no data to suggest that chiropractic manipulation can alleviate or cure any other ailments, and that includes other sorts of joint or musculoskeletal issues, but certainly other sorts of things such as chronic illnesses, infectious diseases, diabetes, and others. One red flag in particular is that many chiropractors have generally aligned themselves with pseudoscience or anti-science groups, and this has become particularly prominent during the COVID-19 pandemic, where many chiropractors have been actively promoting disinformation about vaccines and masks. So please keep those red flags, you know, uh, be aware of them. And, you know, if you do choose to go to a chiropractor, again, recognize their limitations, recognize that they are not medical doctors or physicians. They cannot prescribe medications. They do not have the same sorts of of training as physicians. And, And consider the fact that, you know, physical therapy may be a viable alternative if you do have back pain. And please, for the love of science, do not <laughs> come for us in our DMs or send us nasty messages. If you've if you've received uh, chiropractic treatment in the past and it's worked for you, um, you know, l- lucky you. That's great. Um, we are just here to present the evidence and the science behind. <laughs> behind this. So, and and yeah, I will say kind. that, you know, again, <laughs> anecdotes are not data. We've tried to pull as much randomized control trial data as, as we can. But again, as we mentioned, there, there are very few of these. There are actually none with regard to safety of chiropractic. So be aware of these potential risks for adverse events. Also consider the fact that there is such thing as a placebo effect and it can be quite powerful. So 
Thank you for joining us today. We hope you learned a thing or two. Um, And if you like our pod, please share with your friends and family. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also check out our website at www.unbiasedscipod.com where you can look up all of our show notes, check out our searchable database of references, and you can also pick yourself up some Unbiased Science merch. Um, November happens to be Diabetes Awareness Month. So on our next episode, we're going to have a special guest on to help us discuss myths and misconceptions about diabetes. We will continue to provide updates on COVID-19 on our social media accounts, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unbiased SciPod. Catch you next time on the pod, your trusted source for no nonsense, just science. Yeah, oh, I am a